For those of us uh, remaining for the message, we'll be in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me there uh, as we uh, hear uh, from God's Word. If you don't have your Bible with you, the words will be on the screen behind. You can follow along there. Uh, We'll be in Matthew 14, beginning in verse 22, and then following on through verse 33. Let's together hear the word of the Lord. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And then when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing. So we give thanks, Lord God Almighty. Uh, Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, what a gift it is to be able to gather together around your word and to hear from you. Lord, I ask that you would shape us and mold us by the wisdom of your word. Lord, open our eyes that we would see. Open our ears that we would hear. Open our minds we come to know and understand you more and more. Open our hearts that we would feel the power of your Holy Spirit through the words that are offered this day. And Lord, open our hands. That we would be a part of what you're doing in the world. Offering grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as a pastor, uh, there, there are some, some things that I do that look different than, than how you do them. One of, one of those is going to weddings. See, you go to a wedding and you just get to think about the, 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 the dancing, the open bar, and uh, the excitement of seeing friends and family. Uh, for me, I have uh, responsibility to preside over the wedding uh, I'll tell my kids I'm going to marry, and they said, but you're married to mom. That was when they were younger and funnier, and now they're not nearly as funny. So one of the things I really enjoy, however, is the rare occasion whenever Lauren and I go to a wedding where I'm not presiding. 
I, I think that it's, it's powerful. It's, it, there's an intimacy to that moment for, for, for Lauren and I. And, and maybe that could resonate uh, in your marriages as well. Uh, or imagine if you're single as well, what that's like. You know, once upon a time on June the 8th, 2002, Lauren and I gathered together with friends and family and we made commitments to one another. And those words of the declaration of intent, those words of our vows, the words of our blessing and exchanging of rings, they, they washed over us in, in, in a space of potency, reminding us of, of what that commitment looks like. And so whenever Lauren and I have that opportunity to go to a wedding and I get to sit next to her and I hear those same words uh, offered in, in a new setting and, and I'm able to be reminded of that first time that we said those words to one another. There's a, there's a beauty to that, that reminder. When you hear a word and it draws you back to that first love. I think that Peter had one of those moments in Matthew 14, and we miss it entirely because of the drama of the scene. I mean, this is a walking on water moment. Like, this is, this is a, a, now a colloquial reference in culture to, to walk on water, walking on water, right? And, and, and so in the midst of that, uh, we, we fail to acknowledge the, the intimate moment that Peter has with Jesus that leads him in, into a circumstance that that he might not have otherwise thought possible. But once he had that refreshing moment of intimacy, a reconnection, he was drawn back in. It reminds us of the first time that Peter interacted with Jesus. Peter was a fisherman. He was there on the Sea of Galilee. He was, he was fishing with his brother. And, and there in that space, Jesus is walking by and he calls out to them. It's in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 and following. Hear this. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. They were there casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Now, to understand what, what, what Peter was, was wrestling with, uh, and, and his brother for that matter, and the other disciples uh, to, to just increase it further, uh, they all heard this invitation from Jesus once upon a time, this invitation to come. But, but it wasn't just any invitation because it was an invitation that was restorative and redemptive, and it oriented their lives in a new and fresh way. They were being invited into a rabbi-disciple relationship relationship that they thought was not going to be afforded to them. You see, for those that lived in Bethsaida, that, that lived in Corazon, that lived in uh, Capernaum, that lived in Nazareth, these were people that, that were committed to the Jewish faith and were pursuing their faith intentionally. We know that because of the archaeology and the historical writings that uh, that, that, that describe for us a people committed to living in Jewish community and, and living different than the Roman culture has led them to as they rose up. And so 
you would know then that Peter and his brothers and the other disciples were all of an age that they had gone through Jewish teaching. They intentionally studied the scriptures and focused in on what the the Old Testament said, what the Torah said, in many instances even memorizing much of the text such that they would then be interviewed. Uh, They they would have a rabbi come into their school and, and hear from them what they had learned about God's word. And then the rabbi would decide if he was going to invite that student into a discipling relationship. I know that's really hard for us to understand, uh, separation of church and state and not having uh, our kids taught much uh, about Scripture in the classroom. But imagine that, that in 10th grade, every student takes Bible and they, they dig into the Word. And, and at the end of the class, they're not just focused on getting an A, uh, but they're interviewed so that you could find out whether or not they cheated their way through the class, whether or not they actually knew what they were talking about. And if they did, then a rabbi would call them to follow. So for Peter, James, John, all of the disciples, they were sent away by the rabbis and told, go and learn your family craft rather than be one of my disciples. So, in Matthew chapter 4, Peter hears from a new rabbi an opportunity that he had not yet imagined possible. Jesus says, come, follow me. These other rabbis, they told you to go learn how to fish. I'm going to invite you to fish for people. Now, there was a saying in the Jewish culture uh, that that would follow whenever a rabbi invited a a discipling relationship. The the family members would send them off with blessing. The blessing sounded something like this. Go and may your rabbi have, have the dust of his feet collect on you. May the dust of your rabbi's feet cover you. Doesn't that sound a little bit gross? Now, let's pause a moment. Like, like, like let's be honest. Uh, it, it means that you're walking close enough to someone that the, the, the sandal flip, you know, I'm talking about the, the little, the little, like, little sp- that, that comes up off the ground. Uh, sometimes you might see it like in, okay. You know how when you're walking in water, like the, the, the back of your leg gets a little puddly? All right, now do that with dust and with sandals, and now you get the image, right? So you're supposed to walk close enough to your rabbi that the dust from their sandals covers you. And that's, that's to describe the relationship. Wherever the, your rabbi goes, there you will be. Whatever your rabbi is doing, th- that is what you will be doing. Whatever actions they're taking, that is how you will act. Whatever they are teaching, that is how you will teach. You will learn everything from the rabbi by being that close to them. So whenever Jesus calls Peter and says, come, follow me. Follow me so closely, so intentionally with such such ferocious pursuit that the dust of my sandals will cover you. And maybe even for this Matthew 14 scene, we should add 
may the water that I splash come upon you as well. So here, Jesus and the disciples have heard horrible news. Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, has died. And so they look for a retreat, respite, and, they, and as they are trying to find that rest, uh, the crowds come around them, 5,000 in fact, and then, they, and then Jesus, rather than turning them away, feeds the 5,000. And after the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus then says to his disciples, go ahead of me, go out uh, across the Sea of Galilee. Uh, you're all familiar with it. Get in the boat, row the boat across the Sea of Galilee. I'll meet you on the other side. And so Jesus As night falls and the 5,000 have been fed, he retreats to the top of a mountainside where he is praying to God. And there he also is able to look down on the Sea of Galilee and he could see the boat with his disciples in it. And as the sun is beginning to break, he sees the boat and realizes he sent them a long time ago and they are stuck in the middle of the lake. They have been there all night rowing, and the wind has come up against them, and they've gone nowhere. It it helps us to look at the Gospel of Mark to to understand the circumstance. The same story, but from Mark's perspective, Mark chapter 6, and he describes what uh, what the disciples are facing in, in a fresh way, beginning in verse 47 and then following. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone. Jesus was alone on the land. He saw the disciples... Straining at the oars, 12 men rowing together because the wind was against them. And shortly before dawn, he went out to them on the lake. He was about to pass by them. But, they, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. And they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Did you catch that? The, the conditions are such that 12 men rowing are being passed by a dude walking. What is supposed to go faster, a boat or a person walking? A boat. Yes, good. We're, we're snappy today, right? I mean, I want you to, to, to imagine those kind of medieval scenes where you see uh, everybody uh, with the oar in hand rowing together and there's movement. You could think, think, of, uh, think of crew, right, uh, where you see uh, the coxswain telling them, stroke, stroke, stroke. And in one time, they're all putting their effort into it and they're moving slick across the water. Here we have 12 men struggling, standing still because the wind is against them and Jesus just is going to stroll by them. He's not even going to stop. He's just going to pass them by. And so when we get to the the gospel of Matthew, we we put ourselves back in the scene and we know what it's been like for these disciples. And now they're terrified because they see one walking out on the water and they cry out. And Peter hears from Jesus in verse 27, take courage, it is I, Jesus, do not be afraid. It's me. It's your rabbi. It's the one that invited you to come follow me. I'm out here on the water. And then Peter astutely says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. 
And Jesus says, come. At that very word, that invitation, come. Peter was drawn back to that first moment he encountered Jesus, the very first word he ever heard Jesus utter, come. And, and, and he was reminded of his commitment uh, as a disciple of Christ to go where Jesus went, to do what Jesus was doing, to be intentional about that pursuit such that, that, that the dust would come upon him, that the water would come upon him. And so as soon as Jesus said, come, he got up out of the boat and he went where Jesus was. He didn't hesitate. I don't pity Peter in this story. I pity the 11 that, that committed their lives the following Jesus, but when the moment came where Jesus was in the water, they stayed in the boat. Imagine struggling on your own because you're doing something that Jesus isn't. And yet here, you have a, an invitation to come out and be a part of what Jesus is doing, to learn from him, to grow with him. And here in this space, Peter responds by getting out and following. I think this is a reminder to Peter, maybe, of not only a commitment, but a standing invitation. Whenever Jesus invited Peter originally to come, to follow, it didn't come with a, with a, a condition or a caveat or a restriction, come, follow me, accept the only accept was the cross, because the cross was Jesus' to bear, not Peter's. But, but other than that, it was a standing invitation to go wherever Jesus was all the way. What kind of standing invitations do you have in your life? I, never, I don't know if I ever actually had the standing invitation, but I operated as though I did whenever I was in high school. I had two best friends, and we were always in one another's houses. We never knocked. We always went in. We never asked if we could eat dinner. We always just sat down at the table and knew that a plate of food was coming, right? Uh, I, I don't know why my kids don't have that, uh, that relationship with their friends, because I would send them to other people's houses to eat all the time, right? No. Um, I don't know what's happened to our culture if some things have changed because, quite honestly, if some of my kids' friends walked in the house and sat down, there would always be an, a place at that table for them. What standing invitations do you have in your life? Folks that if you called them and said, can I come over? The answer would be, of course you can. You don't even have to ask. Maybe that standing invitation is with your parents or with your kids, with your brothers and sisters, or with your best friends. That sort of standing invitation, that sort of, of course you can, you don't even have to ask is what Jesus was offering to Peter in this moment. Peter said, if it's you, Give me permission to be with you. 
And Jesus says, of course, of course you have permission to be with me. Of course you have permission to walk out on the water. Uh, that, that, that was assumed at the very beginning. When I said, follow me, I meant it. When I said, come, I meant it. That means come even here in the water, even when it means get out of the boat, even when it means get out of your insecurities, uh, get into your insecurities, get into your unworthiness. When it means taking a risk, even then step out and go. There is a standing invitation that Peter had that we have to follow Jesus. And then look what what happens when you step out. Verse 29 continues, Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. He did it. Peter walked on water with Jesus. Sometimes we get caught up in skipping ahead in this chapter and neglecting the the potent truth that when Peter was willing to step out, he was able, made able by Jesus. But furthermore, let's Let's be honest about what takes place for us in our human frailty. We're going to get distracted. We're going to fall short. We're going to take our eyes off of Jesus. We're going to see the threat around us. But here's the thing. Whenever we see the threat and we're with Jesus, we cannot fall. Because Jesus is right there to pick us up. If we're in the boat and we're far away from Jesus, if we're never never willing to take the risk to walk with him, then maybe we lose sight of Jesus altogether. So here we see that when Peter steps out of the boat and he walks on water, even if his eyes fall off of Jesus, Jesus is there to pick him up. So how do we live in this gospel truth today? I believe that it begins with today looking for Jesus. To look for where Jesus is working, what Jesus is up to, how Jesus is, is, uh, is transforming lives and having impact in the world around us. It might be just looking into your home and seeing that Jesus is doing a work in a relationship or in one of your children's lives. Uh, It might be looking down the street and seeing that community is being fostered in such a profound way, but you haven't been a part of it. But now we need to consider how can we go there and, and understand that Jesus is a part of that. It might mean getting out of your comfort zone and going places that you otherwise wouldn't. It might be realizing that we live in a little bit of a bubble here, and sometimes that bubble needs to be burst so that we could go and see what Jesus is doing beyond these walls. You you see what I mean? We need to be looking for Jesus's activity such that when we spot him, we remember that we have a standing invitation to go and be with him. And then the second step, maybe the hardest is to follow through. You know, for so many of us, we, 
we came to Christ and, and we, we heard his invitation to grace and mercy, to love and community, and we, and we responded and we called upon Jesus as Lord and Savior. And, and over the course of time, it seems that we've forgotten that invitation extends throughout our lives. And now God is calling us yet again in new and fresh ways, and we are invited to go and work alongside of him. And when we do, we're going to see wondrous things, magnificent things, signs and wonders, power and might, because Jesus is the one doing it. Look for Jesus. Walk with Jesus. So even the water that splashes up from his sandals would wash over you as it did over Peter. Let's pray together. Gracious God, what a gift it is to hear this word of truth that, that echoes a reminder for each of us about what you are doing in our lives in this community, and in the world. Lord, you, you invite us to come, to come and be with you wherever you are. And so we ask, God, that you would, that you would give us uh, vision to see and courage to follow. Lord, so often we are distracted or we are weak. So, Lord, awaken us, awaken us and encourage us that we might step forward in faith in the world. Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing in us and through us. Do it again, we pray in Jesus' name.